right. Well, happy 2023 to everybody. Um, it started this year, whether we wanted it or not. So here it is. It's coming at us. So, and uh, right now, uh, Dave uh, Crable is a little under the weather today. Uh, we've all been fighting that flu, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time that I may be coughing a little bit through the show. And uh, Mike Brennan knows about this, and even Connie's not feeling real well. This uh, this flu that everybody's getting just seems to hang on and has that persistent cough that after you get better, it still has that cough for a while. So, but Mike, uh, why don't you give us a little update on what's going on in your world and how you're doing? Uh, well, uh, certainly, uh, as uh, well, your audience may not know, uh, but the cannabis audience we shared it with, uh, we launched uh, Sparks and Recreation in December with our uh, it's a cannabis tourism publication. We were talking to a lot of people and uh, there's a lot of events that are sort of in the works and we wanted to have a place to park those. But it's also uh, for cannabis friendly lodging and restaurants and bars and you name it. Uh, so that uh, when tourism or when tourists, even whether they're in-state tourists or out-of-state tourists, and, and they're looking for a cannabis friendly place to do whatever they want to do, then we'll sort of a guide. And then, of course, we'll be heavily promoting all those different uh, uh, companies that we're working with and events. Uh, not only in our digital, we have a digital magazine that you can turn the pages, that sort of thing. My, my partner, Dan Keelan, hates it when I describe it that way, but I think that's the simplest way to understand it. And then we have a lot of social media support that goes on constantly. And uh, so one of our, in fact, our launch sponsor will be talking here shortly, Connie Sparrow and her husband, Dan. And I'll let her explain all the things that she's doing. Uh, and uh, now, did you want to do the news now? Or you want to hold off on that? Well, let's hold off on that. Yeah, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's let Connie, uh, Connie uh, talk a little bit about what's happened in her world. And so, Connie, uh, thanks for joining us today and uh, sharing on what's happening in the cannabis tourism tourism industry in Michigan. So, you know, you've got a company started up and, uh, but Connie, how about everybody likes to hear a little story about, um, you know, how you got started this whole thing and uh, and what's going on in your world. So how about sharing with that? Uh, sure. Um, thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Um, Connie Maxim Sparrow, uh, founder of Sparrow Consulting. Um, I spent a substantial amount of my professional career working in uh, public admin uh, at the federal, state, and local level doing economic development, grants, finance <laughs> management, um, healthcare licensing for things like pandemics, bioterrorism. Um, and so I, I spent a great, great deal of time working with the government and decided the government did not uh, pay me what I wanted. <laughs> and so I decided to go out on my own <laughs> um, and give the private sector a whirl, right? And so I gave the private sector a whirl and I happened to fall into cannabis accidentally um, and I was called to write a grant for some hops um, farming uh, in Shelby, Michigan. And I got there and I quickly realized that he was a caregiver. And I had been working with the prosecutor's office on administering the uh, education and outreach grants at the county level, trying to help caregivers understand compliance aspects. And I was like, hey, I know that these laws are changing. Do you want to get a license? Um, having no idea what that meant, having no idea what an application looks like. <laughs> the guy handed me $5,000 and said, go forth and conquer. And uh, I've been in cannabis ever since. Um, that was about six years ago. 
Uh, it did not take long for word to get out. One person talked to another and Sparrow Consulting was, you know, was pretty much born in the cannabis space. Um, <clears throat> so we've been doing a lot of, I do a lot of licensing, um, licensing renewal or just management of licenses at this point. Obviously a good majority of our work was in licensing in the beginning. Um, and now I'm doing a lot of compliance. Um, thanks to the state's little crackdown, my phone got real busy real fast. And so um, now I go in and I'm the national compliance officer uh, for VERTS, which is in Colorado and uh, will be in Michigan and is in Missouri. Um, and I also represent a handful of clients here in Michigan as their compliance officer related to all things cannabis. Well, that sounds like a plateful. <laughs> Can, uh, cannabis likes to get in trouble. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> they keep me well paid. <laughs> I'll update everybody a little bit later on in the show. We had a, a meet and greet, a video meet and greet uh, with Brian Hanna and the CRA uh, a couple days ago. And so we'll kind of update everybody a little bit on, on what's going on there on the cannabis side as well as on the hemp side as well as that too. So a little, a little later on the show. So. Um, so, Connie, let's talk about where you see and what's going on with the cannabis tourism industry here in Michigan. Well, the cannabis tourism industry is really starting to take off in the state of Michigan. Um, there were rumblings of it kind of in the middle of the pandemic. I think a lot of people started thinking about what tourism looks like. And I think that a lot of people really started to look around and say, you know, obviously there's a way to incorporate <laughs> and as people started you know, doing events post-pandemic, people were starting to see the event space really kind of lighten up, um, the consumption space, public consumption spaces lighting up, um, and those opportunities within the industry as those license sets, uh, you know, really came forward under adult use, but then we kind of got slammed into a, a pandemic, and that's when things were, you know, got a little bit crazy. So, you know, last year we did Cannabash. Um, and Cannabash was extremely successful. Uh, we had upwards of 8,000 people, um, and it was a hit from what all of our attendees are saying. And I kind of sat back and I looked at Cannabash, um, and I had been thinking about hospitality, travel, and tourism with cannabis throughout the pandemic. But once I saw the success of Cannabash, which is in Muskegon, Michigan, we're having it again this year on July 8th. Um, I realized that there's still a lot more work to be done as it relates to consumers that are kind of curious or consumers that don't necessarily understand all ways of consumption for cannabis um, and certainly don't understand the power of hemp either as it relates to CBD. And so, um, you know, as somebody that was not in the caregiving space or was not hip or up on um, hemp and cannabis related things and was working for law enforcement as an, you know, as a representative of those communities and emergency management as a professional, I wasn't even exposed to cannabis. And so even when I started working in cannabis, I still was not necessarily embracing the concepts of this as a medicine. Um, and that I think is where the power comes. You know, we have lots of licensees and we have lots of things going on, but we still have not normalized the use of cannabis, no different than normalizing the use of alcohol in public. And so for us, we saw this as a great opportunity to be able to reach out to consumers directly through travel and hospitality. We launched an online travel agency, Derivate Travel. And combined with Derivate Travel, 
is our bud and breakfast, The Nest, here in Muskegon. That is our first location, and we are actually adding on locations as we speak from multiple different areas, um, something that caught me completely off guard. I did not think that we would be adding on additional houses. I actually thought that we would be just trying to market this one accommodation space. So I am actually in The Nest. Uh, we run our consulting firm out of The Nest as well as a travel agency. Um, this particular uh, location in Muskegon is about 15 minutes from downtown, about 20 minutes from Lake Michigan. Um, we can sleep 20 here. This is a hosted space. So when you're talking the short-term rental or Airbnb market, um, there are hosted spaces versus unhosted spaces. And that's actually a part of the market that you have to understand. Um, it appears that cannabis people enjoy hosted accommodations, not necessarily unhosted. However, my preference would be unhosted if it was me. Um, and so we, Dan and I, my husband um, and business partner, Dan and I are the hosts here at The Nest. And then we'll be adding on a second location in Dwajak, hopefully by March. Um, and that one will uh, come online and that actually was four. <coughs> um, that one is unhosted. And then we have a couple of opportunities popping up in Kalamazoo. And we have a couple of opportunities, one in Spring Lake and another opportunity in Northern Michigan. And so slowly but surely, everybody has been learning about what we're doing and asking us to take on management of their houses. What's unique about us instead of what you would find on buttonbreakfast.com, and you can go on there and there are others doing it similar to we are, but I don't think they're doing it as comprehensively. This is more than just being able to consume cannabis in our accommodations. We actually are curating cannabis experiences and being able to plan and provide you easy access to licensed cannabis in the state of Michigan with personalized bud bars in your rooms with the paraphernalia that you request. And then we work with you to plan out your trip, however long you want to come stay at the nest or any of our other locations. And we actually curate infusion chefs. We curate day trips. Um, we work with our brand partners and our retail partners to be able to provide cannabis on site for them through an online purchase transaction. So it's all state tested, all licensed retailers. Um, there's nothing funny going on. This is all within the system of the state regulated and tested system. And so our clients will come here. They will stay here. Their cannabis will be delivered to them when they arrive. They'll sign for it. They'll go into their rooms and their paraphernalia is already set up for them, whether that's you know, papers, that's a grinder, a roller, <laughs> um, and they'll have the ability to, you know, design what that, that, you know, personal bud bar looks like in their room. And then we have a dab bar in the common area um, upstairs. And so, you know, we are really bringing cannabis directly to the consumer in a way that the consumer would like it. Um, we have a lot, most of the people that are reaching out to Bay to schedule these, these trips are from out of state and they are not legal states. And so that's the attraction is that if it's not legal in their home state, they want to experience what we take for granted every day, which is legalization of adult use cannabis. And they want to experience what a consumption lounge is. They want to learn about how to dab. You know, it, it's been interesting as we, as we get these inquiries that come in, they have to take a survey before we even call them to start helping them plan their trip. They're already curious about, I'm curious about dabs, but I'm always really intimidated by using a dab rig. Can you help teach me how to use a dab rig, how to clean a dab rig, what dabs are, how to microdose on a dab. 
Um, you know, people are educated, but they're also intimidated at walking into a head shop to ask somebody about how to use a dab rig. And I'm telling you, Puffco Peak has Bluetooth for crying out loud. So, I mean, when you think about the paraphernalia, uh, you know, the paraphernalia space is pretty intimidating these days. If you are an uneducated, interested consumer and you walk into a head shop and you're like, what is a, a nectar collector, a, you know, and a torch and it's, I mean, it's very overwhelming to somebody that's like, yeah, I tried some edibles and it's actually helping with my insomnia, but my butt tender said that, you know, A, B, and C help with chronic pain, which dabs are great for immediate relief of, of chronic back pain and things like that. At least for me, it is. But if you don't know how to dab, you're not going to go into a head shop and ask them and then take that dab rig to the dispo and then have the bud tender. You can't do those things. So how are people supposed to learn? And it, I would hate to not have consumers get access to all of the wonderful ways that you can consume cannabis, but they want handholding. They want to learn. They don't understand where you can legally smoke, where you can legally consume. They don't understand what a consumption lounge is. They know all of these things are here, but with as many tourists as we have come into the state of Michigan, for that general tourist to try and figure out, they can barely figure out where a dispensary is because most of them don't even know what weed maps is, right? We know these things because we're in this space. The general public has no idea. And if they do want to consume cannabis while they're here traveling, it would take them a lot of Googling to figure out how to get to a consumption lounge, what a consumption lounge is. Do they have cannabis there? Do they not? I mean, it's not like a consumption lounge is marketing. Hey, this is how you consume cannabis at a consumption lounge. They're just assuming that their customers know that. And so there's a huge opportunity out there to handhold, educate, and then bring people in that may be seeking cannabis out as an alternative to alcohol or benzos or whatever other medication they may be on. And so our goal really is, is to make cannabis accessible, accessible, to educate them, to provide them a great time and, and be a really great tour guide in our own local community, therefore generating more economic development for Muskegon. So Connie, you said hosted versus unhosted. Maybe explain a little bit about the difference on those two things. Yeah. So on, 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 or so for a hosted site, that would be that the host is actually staying on site with you. So the owner of the property is actually there and they're hosting you, you know, and there's interaction, there's shared common space. Then there's people like Dan and I, who would much rather prefer getting an unhosted, meaning that no, it's just a whole house, right? I'm not sharing it with anybody. I'm not sharing it with the owners or a house manager or a concierge person. But if you were to go on Airbnb right now, you can actually search between hosted and unhosted spaces, right? And people are actually prefer hosted spaces. But then there's a segment of the traveling market that wants unhosted. So it, it just depends. There's a lot of people that um, tour around Airbnbs throughout the year. And it's only because they want to meet new people. So they want hosted spaces. And so what, what I've learned as we pivoted into the short-term rental space was um, this is a booming industry in the short-term rental space, booming industry. They have evolved very well um, and they have really learned how to do some cool stuff. So it's been fun to kind of step into the short-term rental market and learn what they're doing. And, and learn from them and maybe not be trailblazing like we do in cannabis. Um, and they've really come up with some pretty cool ways to be entrepreneurs in that space. And I think we're just bringing another layer to that with the concierge sponsored, you know, marketing activated 
um, cannabis spaces. You might also mention the nest property itself and can be used for events. And as I know personally, you have an in-ground pool in the back, two very friendly dogs that greet you at the door. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but talk a little bit about that. I mean, uh, you can do a little smaller events, not huge yeah, events. You we know? can. So that is, an, so some of the things that we'll be doing quite regularly is we will actually be, because there is not um, really anywhere to do this right now in Muskegon, we will actually be doing small puff and paints weekly at the house. We will be doing um, paraphernalia parties weekly. And those you, you'll be able to go right on our, our website and register for that event. And then, you know, it'll be a $25 event to come do a puff and paint or whatever that is. So there will be weekly events and activities that we put on happening here. But the nest in Muskegon, um, like it, like Mike said, it, it, we have a half of acre fenced in with a beautiful in-ground pool um, in the backyard. And that space is actually available in peer space for hosting parties. Uh, if you want a private party, if you want to do a product launch, um, all of those things are available if you go onto our peer space listing, which is where you rent the house by the hour. Um, if you have products that you want to take pictures of, we have great stage spaces for people to be able to get really good marketing pictures in a living space that is designed very well. Um, and so the house itself um, is available to anybody. If you wanted to do bud tender training, let's say you're a cultivator and you really would like to work with the bud tenders and explain what your terpene profiles are, explain about your product, what you want them to, you know, what you want them to educate the customers on, have them come here, right? If it was me and I was in the cultivation space, I would be looking at, you know, let's say it's pure options as a retailer. I'd say, hey, I'd like to take 10 of your bud tenders. I'm going to pay for them to stay at the nest as a reward for all of their good work. We really appreciate them moving our product. And by the way, we're going to do bud tender training while they're there. So not only do they get a weekend away, but they also get to get some bud tender training and they get to hang out and have a nice time. And that's a reward for the bud tenders. And so there's a hundred ways you can use this space. People just have to be creative with it. And also just let me interrupt one more time. Uh, Cannabash Fest, I know, I don't know whether you've got everything locked down, but I know certainly the one in July is locked down. But you were saying to us, Dan Keelan and I, that you're also looking at doing more like satellite events, as it were? Or is that yeah, that that is the goal. Um, because Derive is taking off so quickly, we've had to back off a little bit on, on our trajectory for events just because we've actually, so... We've actually decided to turn the, we're actually creating a production company. So we're slowing down a little bit. We're absolutely coming into a situation where we're going to slow down. We're going to make sure that we get the right people in place. We get the right talent in place. We get the event uh, uh, budget correct um, and balancing what that looks like for costs as it relates to revenue, because that's still, I think people are still kind of jockeying through that, not losing money, losing money, breaking even, making a profit. Um, and so I think we're, we're backing off at this point, getting some really good strategy together. Um, Cannabash Fest will be absolutely a go. And I believe that we will probably have an event in September. I'm just not sure yet. Okay. Well, Blaine, you're muted. I wanted to do that because I was coughing so much I didn't want to drown out <laughs> while we were talking. Um, so, Connie, if people want to get a hold of you and either, you know, find out how to 
reserve the nest or other properties you have, or they want to partner with you as far as maybe they're a dispensary or a, a shop, whatever. How's the best way for them to get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me would be to email me at Connie at hatchaplanmi.com. If they're just looking for generalized information, I would certainly suggest they go check out our website, derivade-travel.com. Um, lots of great marketing pictures, lots of great information on the types of partnerships that we're looking for with brands. That's one of the opportunities that we also provide the brands. If a brand would like to sponsor one of our suites, they can absolutely sponsor a suite for the year. And it's a very affordable sponsorship price. Um, and they can stage swag. They can stage all kinds of things in there that they want. They can hang things on the walls, make it their own and do some field activation, direct consumer marketing. So those things are available. Um, and then they can always call my cell phone at 231-670-5863. And as Blaine and Connie both know, Muskegon has kind of turned into Ann Arbor West. Uh, it's a lot of cannabis uh, facilities there. Uh, disp dispensaries and grows and gosh, you name it, it's all over there. So uh, she's in the heart of the whole, the action there. And I'm assuming you're probably talking to some of those dispensaries for the delivery mechanisms and all that sort of thing, right? Novo is our is our official retail partner for the Nest here in Michigan. <laughs> um, they're also one of our vending uh, platinum sponsors for Cannabash. Um, and so Novo has been an integral part of helping us launch this tourism and lifestyle aspect. Daniel Paul is an incredible guy. Um, Novo is a great company out of Northern Boulder, Colorado. That's what Novo stands for. Um, and so, yeah, Novo is, has been incredible to work with related to helping us with this retail aspect with our guests. Um, and then the other nice thing is that, you know, we'll be partnering with somebody, a different retailer for um, the puff and paints and things like that, because that will be a bring your own weed kind of scenario. And so what we'll do is, is we'll direct our guests, please go to whatever our retail partner is, and they will give you some sort of discount, but then everybody goes there and gets their cannabis before they come here for a puff and paint. So that way we're never dealing with cannabis. We're not touching cannabis. It is all being bought through our retail partners and it is all legal. There is, there's no funny business happening, I promise. <laughs> You're muted again, Blaine. Has there been any, um, um, any regulations that you've had to worry about as far as the lodging and as far as doing all that? And Absolutely. So that was one of the reasons why we held off a little bit. Um, the state of Michigan, actually the house took up the short-term rental legislation. I'm not sure what the status is on it. I looked at the last time this past Christmas, um, because the local municipalities were trying to control and prevent or control how many come in, um, and how many can be set up. And the state came right back and said, absolutely not. Um, they own the property. They're allowed to use their property as they see fit in this short-term rental space. They're not you're not going to zone them out of making money off of their own property. And so that was one of the biggest concerns because, you know, you can have your local unit of government come right in, especially in somewhere like the state of Michigan, where they have a right to control your land use, right? Especially if it's a chartered township or a city or a village, they can come in and look at you and say, this isn't zoned for this. This is an accommodation and we're not going to let you operate. And so the last thing we were going to do is, is come into this, you know, make a substantial hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment and then have a local municipality start zoning us out of using our own house for what we want it. 
So what's nice is the state legislature flipped back and said, nope, the, you're not the local municipalities. You're not going to be able to tell them that they can't do this. Um, they're allowed to use their home as they see fit. And so that helped us with things like adding on to RVShare.com, where RVs can boondock in our front yard and they can just come in and stay the night and they pay a $40 fee. And there are people that are just traveling around the United States in an RV and they just need a somewhere to boondock. And so they pull up, they stay and they leave in the morning, but they pay you for it. And so we're just simply using things we already own to generate income. And, and it's a nice fit in the cannabis space because a lot of this is very much tailored to the person. And as, as Blaine was mentioning, as we talked to the beginning, this could be an opportunity for the hemp community to use their uh, houses or whatever they have and make a little money on the side, right? Absolutely. So that's, that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Mike, because it was on my three point list. No, that is, that is one of the other things that I'm actually have my eye on for next year. We have a couple of people that have uh, approached us with property and they want um, insight and help developing their property. Um, and I've had several conversations with Blaine and others, Dave Crable, another one about the hemp houses. That is absolutely something that I, I want to talk about is having the ability to not only create these accommodation spaces, but then also do it sustainably using things like hemp and demonstrating to my local community, as well as the rest of the nation, that these are the ways that you move this forward. Playing. You're muted again. There yep. you go. I got to make sure I unmute. Yes, I got to remember to do that. But it's better than coughing in everybody's ear, I'm sure. There you go. So, um, um, so the partners you're working with in Muskegon or other places, obviously, because there'll be other homes in other places. Um, uh, are you finding good reception from them? They're interested in, in partnering and being able to supply and, and get their Yeah. I, you know, I think that everybody wasn't really sure what it was going to look like, right? I mean, this is this is a, a little bit of an iteration of eight different things coming into one, right? And so I think a lot of brands were like, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, and, and I had to get my elevator pitch down a little bit better, right? I mean, it was just kind of very broad on what we were trying to get accomplished. And as we've worked through some of the launch pieces and sponsorship decks and things like that, you know, my pitch has gotten better and we are getting absolutely positive response. I, you know, and what ends up happening is, is people will either reach out to us for Derivate and then I talk to them about Cannabash or they're reaching out to us for Cannabash and I talk to them about Derivate. Um, anytime we talk to them about it, I was on the phone with Weed Maps and it was, it was incredible. Weed Maps said, look, we'll, we'll give your guests each a welcome kit. That will teach them how to use weed maps. Why do you use weed maps? What's on weed maps? Where to go in your local community? Um, he said, and we'll tailor it to each location and we'll stock you up. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to need a storage shed. Like, all, where am I going to put all this crap? <laughs> I mean, it's not and I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, the pop and paint lady's here. And she's like, well, I need eight tables and 27 chairs. And I'm like, ah. Um, so we're kind of learning as we go, but it's working. And, you know, when we talked to the brands about it, Weed Maps was like, this is exactly the type of consumers we want to get to as states continue to legalize. Why wouldn't they want to get 
their name in the hands of a new consumer that's visiting a rec state and their state at home is illegal. The first thing they're going to do when they go legalized is look for weed maps because they are teaching them to go onto weed maps. Like if Leaf was smart, they'd be like, well, shit, wait a minute, or Dutchie or any of them. I mean, and that's where, that's where things get interesting because you're giving these brands that right now have very limited consumer reach in a market where they cannot traditionally advertise, right? And so what's the key to this? The key is social media, guerrilla marketing, field activations, um, deals, and, 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 and price, you know, price beating at the local level. Well, guess what, guys? I'm giving you all a whole bunch of consumers that you've never seen before. They're not from Michigan, but you're getting brand awareness and the touch point on it is like $2 for that exposure. That's a really good buy for a retailer or even a cultivation or a processing person. You know, we have a dab room, we have a flower room, we have a cart room, you know, so we're looking for at least in the nest, a dab, you know, a, a, a processor um, and a cultivator to be able to really highlight their products. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting that we've heard feedback on is that, um, you know, the, the people that are interested in traveling are, are very interested in learning about the brands as well. They, they want to know, it's, it's like they want to consume as much information as they can get their hands on because they still don't have a legal way to purchase cannabis. Mm -hmm. they can't so are you getting um, inquiries from uh, more out of state, in-state inquiries at this point? So everything that we have been um, getting inquiries on. So the house is listed on buttonbreakfast.com, right? The house is listed on airbnb.com. The house, it's listed and you can book directly with us from our website, regardless of where that lead, that listing lead is coming from, which is what those are called, our listing leads, right? Um, regardless of where that listing lead is coming from. And by the way, there are more than 170 short-term rental web applications out there that you can list this stuff on. It's amazing. The listing services are glamping.com. There's all kinds of stuff. So that's the trick with this is you've got to market your listings out and then get it all that information to come back into one central place. Um, everybody is out of state. Everybody. And it's not Ohio or Indiana out of state. It's Virginia, Texas, Florida. Um, it's it's Arkansas, it's Mississippi. So it's Southern states that aren't legal, that are east of the Mississippi, mostly. And are you finding it, it's like, are they coming up like a day, an evening or a weekend or four or five days or? A whole week. They want a five day immersive trip. I had somebody type me up a page and a half list of everything they want to do. And that's great. That's what I want them to do. Because then what we do when they give us that list is we flip back around and say, okay, here are your options. We've set up this and this and this and this day trip or this, you know, uh, tubing down the river and, you know, and then this sailboat excursion and this and that and the other thing. I mean, we're in Muskegon for crying out loud. It's beautiful here, Blaine. You know that. You live in mm -hmm. Spring Lake. There's yeah. a reason why we live here and we don't live on the east side, right? <laughs> it's pretty. And so this, you know, this particular customer was like, are you kidding me? Like you have bongs? And I'm like, yeah. And they're cleaned every time they're used. And so they're nice and clean and it's very classy stuff. You're not walking into a trap house, so to speak, right? Because mm -hmm. if you go on to the first thing I did when I decided to do this was I went on to buttonbreakfast.com and I said, oh my okay, so this is all over the place <laughs> on, what, on, on what people want to stay in. Like there are, 
there are just fields that people put on buttonbreakfast.com and it says, you know, just come and set your tent up. It's $40 a night. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre how everybody does it differently, but it was definitely, we were on the higher scale of competition related to cannabis specific accommodations. And so that's a positive thing for us, I think, because we have a differentiation in the market. People are wanting to spend five days. They want a two-person infusion meal, but they want the chef to educate them on how to infuse their own food. And so it's a lot like the foodie movement with the local food systems, right? When we got the community kitchens and everybody started turning into foodies and they would go down to the community kitchen at the farmer's market, have cooking classes, get educated on how to grow your own food. That's a lot of the same things that are crossing over into this. These people want to learn how to be educated consumers and they want to be able to take control of their medicine and how they consume. Hmm. It's baffling. It's been, it, I'm learning so much just with every time we do a touch with a customer, I'm like, huh, oh, I never thought of that. Um, and, 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 they're, and they are so pleased with the fact that the first thing they get out of our automatic messaging is, please see your curated menu at blah, blah, blah. And then it links them to a curated Derive menu right on a Dispo website. And it's got all of their information there. And the Dispo curates a, a list of products for them. Hmm. I, I mean, and, and what's been interesting about it is, is that the Dispos are like, no, if they don't want to order online, have them call. They can talk to the butt tender right on the phone. The Dispos want them calling and talking to the butt tenders. So how about Pure Michigan? If uh, if they uh, picked it up yet or not yet? Well, so it, <laughs> I used to work for Muskegon County, right? And our CBB, which is the Visitors Bureau, Convention and Visitors Bureau, they know we're coming, right? <laughs> it's not going to take much for Pure Michigan to figure it out, too. But that was that was the no-brainer of this. How much money does Pure Michigan spend on tourism advertising every single year? just on the state of Michigan. Why wouldn't I build off of that $24 million budget out of the state? Of course I'm going to. And then I'm gonna figure out how to do it in ways that, oh, it's in Michigan. So, you know, you just you just gotta see where everybody else is marketing and I'm just gonna follow them that way. Mm -hmm. One example would be uh, the wine tours up in Traverse City area and how Pure Michigan works with that particular group or businesses. Um, Part of it also is going to be, I can just tell you, even with a Democratic administration everywhere in the state, there's still a little reluctance. So, you know, you got that reefer madness mentality that hasn't quite gone away, but they'll come around. I mean, we're waiting. In fact, it should come out. I may have missed it. It should be coming out this week. The final numbers for 2022, it'll be somewhere in the vicinity of $2.5 billion <laughs> in adult use sales. So that'll give them religion as well, right? Well, yeah. And if, I mean, if we want to take it from a, an economic development and I'll put my policy admin hat on, right. And if I was a state administrator looking at some of this, whether this be in the accommodation space, because remember I have to pay 8% accommodations tax every time somebody stays here. Okay. Um, remember that every transaction, every person that stays here and they will buy weed when they stay here, that's 18% of, of that entire thing went straight into the state coffers between excise tax and accommodation tax. Right. So if the state doesn't want to recognize the power of this, this location alone, 18% off the top, automatically into state coffers. Right. I mean, it, it, it's an economic generator that I think when they look at it that way, I would like to see Pure Michigan say, huh, that's a really good idea. 
um, because then they're going to be able to look at how is how is that revenue coming into the state? And is it coming in because of cannabis tourism? I think it's important because if they can see that, then they would absolutely use that in a pure Michigan campaign. And depending on the year, tourism in general is either the second or third biggest uh, revenue generator in the state. Uh, it, it varies with the agriculture. They bounce back and forth. And of course, during the pandemic, wasn't a lot of tourism. So, but I mean, it's coming back with a vengeance. I mean, everybody has been locked down for two years and everyone's chomping at the bit to see real people again rather than virtual people, right? Well, they are. You know, that was the interesting thing that I did learn about the short-term rental market was during the pandemic, because travel was so interrupted, um, the short-term rental market, the Airbnb market actually turned into housing for traveling healthcare staff. And mm -hmm. so the Airbnb market is actually hitting a low right now because we're in off season for a good majority of the United States, right? Unless you're in the Southern, you know, in the, the Southern states, Northern states are getting nailed right now in the Airbnb market. They're down in reservations by 25, 30%. And it's because there's not a lot more traveling nurses that are, you know, or respiratory therapists or even doctors, anesthesiologists that need to stay in a long-term stay a month long. And so, you know, I'm in all these different kind of groups on Facebook, super host groups and you name it. And everybody's screaming about the fact that, you know, their, their revenue is down and their bookings are down. And what I realized, and then interestingly, and this was a harsh lesson, I think a lot of people learned uh, in December, Airbnb changed their algorithm. And when Airbnb changes their algorithm, your property is subject to that algorithm. And so a lot of people that were some of the most viewed sites, uh, hosted sites or unhosted sites or listings on Airbnb got buried because they they monkeyed with the algorithm once. And, and all of a sudden people are like, well, I'm the most viewed and now I have no views. And everybody starts screaming at Airbnb. And what, you know, and that's where Airbnb isn't the business model. Airbnb is a marketing channel. And so those are some of those things we had to kind of learn about. And I really had to kind of understand what was happening in the short-term rental market before I tried to pivot and disrupt it, which we did, um, is that you can't be begrudging to the algorithms of, of those apps and websites, because if you are, um, they're setting your business, not, not you. And so I, I really did a lot of research and that's why we moved to a direct marketing, direct to consumer through the Derive online travel agency model, because I don't want to be subjected to high B&B's algorithm versus Airbnb's algorithm, because right now I'm just doing market research. I have each suite listed on a variety of sites and I'm checking right now how much traffic they're getting. Airbnb wins every single time. Hmm. Okay. And so it's been bizarre to kind of compare and contrast and try and figure out where the best way to market it is. Cause here's the other thing you got to sit and think about. Well, what if I'm missing out on opportunity to have somebody rent the house out with Airbnb and they're not cannabis friendly, but all of my marketing on Airbnb says that this is an elevated travel experience. So now I'm turning off part of my audience that I'm getting hits from Airbnb on because it is ca cannabis accommodations. They're like, Oh, I don't, you know, what? Oh God, what is that? Well, they don't know what it is. And if they would look and come see, they would know that even if it is cannabis, you can still stay here. You don't have to smoke weed. But we made that conscious decision. Now, there will be other ones. I The Dewajak location, that will be a very much targeted cannabis accommodation. But there may be some hosted. And that's what's really nice about it. If we host, if we do the marketing and booking and management 
of somebody else's property, they can look right at me and say, I, I don't want it to be marketed with cannabis. You can just put in the bottom of the descriptor, it's 420 friendly. I would much rather you market it for the events that are happening in my community. Oh, okay. And so the nice, the win-win on all of this is, is the cannabis brands aren't seeking out ways to field market, right? I'm giving them direct consumer access. The uh, people that want us to market and manage their spaces, I don't have to take on that asset, pay those property taxes, those insurance claims, those slip and fall. I don't have to do any of those things. I just have to market it for you and, and, and we share some profit together. Um, and and it, it's a no-brainer for those that are trying to pivot in the short-term rental space that don't know how to differentiate and disrupt it. And, and right now, the short-term rental space needs disruption. It's, it's been established and well-established, and it's time. But we also kind of bumbled through everything, too. I can tell you that the technology side of this, I was so overwhelmed. And stuff. I'm like, how am I going to do that? I don't... If you list this thing on 18 different sites, how am I going to keep track of all of that? There's got to be a way, and, and there is kind of, but we really had to get unique with it and, and figure out how this ebbs and flows, how it flows to the customer in a way that it feels like concierge service, that they're not talking to a bot. Nobody likes dealing with bots anymore. I think the pandemic told nobody answers a phone anymore, right? People want people to answer the phone now. It's going the complete opposite now where I think it's, I don't want to do it by now. I don't, I don't want to talk to the instant messenger bot on, on my screen trying to interact with your company. They want to talk to a human and Zoom allows that to happen. So Connie, list one more time again, how people can get a hold of you. <laughs> they can get a hold of me at Connie at hatchaplanmi.com. Uh, they can find the house on Airbnb and buttonbreakfast.com. And they can certainly go to derivate-travel.com and they can get information straight from our website and do a direct booking there. You might want to, well, I see it's on, it's on the note there. I was going to say, you might want to spell that, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Connie, uh, I want to thank you very much um, for, uh, for taking time today and explaining what's really happening with the, uh, with, with the tourist in industry here in this sector of the, of, of, uh, of the hemp and cannabis space. We certainly appreciate that very much. And um, if you'll hang out a little bit, if you want to, we're going to talk a little bit about news. Um, yeah. And uh, I got a little couple things to talk about there and, and we'll kind of wrap up with things. So Mike, uh, why don't you spill us in on what's happening in the, uh, in the 420 space? Yeah. One of the big things that's coming up is the cannabis regulatory agency. I think the date is uh, January 30th is having a zoom summit two-hour Zoom summit call, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's focused on municipalities around the state that haven't already opted in. And there's roughly 175 out of 1,800 that have uh, so that they can learn more about it. Uh, certainly, uh, there, there's a number of reasons why you might want to opt in, whether you're you know, your personal feelings are whether you're pro or against cannabis doesn't really matter. It's, it's, in the end, it's business. And so you, you have something that employs people, and you certainly have something that generates a lot of tax revenue. I think last year the numbers were something like each municipality got $28,000 out of having a just one dispensary in, in their municipality. Just think of it like Muskegon. you got to have a dozen there, right? So, I mean, it, 
1.7 million went into the county coffers. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, and, and in this day and age when all these municipalities are struggling to provide services because all the other revenues are down, this is a revenue and an employment generator. Uh, you know, bud tenders make pretty good money. I think they're around 18, $20 an hour in that ballpark. And uh, that's beats working at McDonald's or something, right? You know, so uh, that's coming up. You have to go to, if you go to, uh, our website, mimarijuanareport.com, actually, uh, or you can do our, uh, that's one place you can find it. But also, uh, if you go to the CRA, Cannabis Regulatory Agency website, there's a sign-up form there for municipalities, and they can say, yes, we want to learn more. It doesn't obligate you to do anything, but find out more information. Make, uh, sure, make sure that you have a municipal email donating name, or they will not let you in. Yep, it's pretty regulated. Uh, they just they want to talk to a very specific audience. Uh, and good news for the CBD crowd: Google, for the first time, is allowing ads for some CBD products on its advertising platform. The company announced about a week or so ago. And so again, check that out at mimarijuanareport.com. Uh, I'm not supposed to talk about this until Dan Keelan announces it, but we are consolidating all of our brands under one tent, but. He's going to be on 420 Post live next week to uh, explain all that. I was under strict instructions not to, to let the kid out of the bag too soon. Uh, so we, we'll have uh, make it'll be easier to find. We have nine properties now that we've developed uh, that uh, media and different things that we do, and they're all under one banner. And and uh, we're ex expanding so rapidly. We just I wouldn't say we hired our first salesperson, but. We're going to be working with Anna Jacobs, who everybody knows real well. She's been around forever. And uh, Anna is really plugged in for She's a caregiver. Uh, she's no, I mean, I see her all over Facebook all the time. And so she's bringing us, shall we say, into her portfolio. She can do other things, whatever she wants to do. But one of the things she'll be doing is helping us uh, with our sponsorships and ad sales, because that's what pays the bills. Uh, and so we've got a couple other people we're talking to, but we haven't quite firmed that up yet. As soon as we do, we'll share those details. Uh, and again, we're still waiting. And if it's come out, I haven't seen it. Still waiting for the 2022 numbers to come out. Um, but as I'm sure the hemp and cannabis audience understand what's going on, but there will be a lot of other folks watching this. The, the, shall we say the market is consolidating rapidly? Uh, we had so much product come out in 2022 that it drove prices down, simple supply and demand, right? And so a lot of companies that were had business plans that called for a certain price point, well, that price point isn't there anymore. It's way down. And so I just got off an interview with Harry Barish, who does sells real estate for cannabis properties. And he thinks that mm, we may not be at the bottom yet. He thinks... 2023 will bottom up, but he can't say exactly when and when, how low it's going to go. I was driving around the other day, and I think it was out in the freeway, and there was one of those billboards. Somebody was advertising an ounce for $40. I'm thinking, what? I mean, that's that's way below what somebody paid to, to grow that and harvest that and trim that. So I don't know what it is. It might just be shake. Who knows? But uh yeah, prices are really low. They're typically they're more around a hundred dollars an ounce, and I got to tell you, that's black market level. I mean, it's just amazing 
this time last year it was one thing and this time this year it's whoa something else entirely so it'll be interesting to see how the industry develops this year right connie yeah you know i miss keegan i think we're 20 plus uh, uh retailers right 20 maybe 19 i don't know it's hard to keep up um but I can tell you right now that you can walk into pretty much, it's a great time to be a consumer in the state of Michigan. Um, you can walk into probably any one of our dispensaries and, and get an ounce for 40, 50 bucks. And it's, it's not, it's not shake. It's, it's actually, I mean, it's mid shelf stuff. I mean, it's not, you're not, you know, it's not top tier. You're not going to have a great turf profile. It, you know, I, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's weed though. And you can smoke it. And frankly, it's now affordable. And I'm here to tell you, <laughs> um, we, we were in Missouri for a few, for a few days in uh, November, uh, Michigan has some of the best weed in the commercial market. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this- we were looking at Missouri's prices in the <laughs> market as they're about to go AU. And then we were looking at the quality of the flower because they're just learning. Right. I mean, I remember what our flower looked like five years ago. It wasn't, wasn't the best stuff out there. I promise. Yeah. But, but it takes some time. And, you know, and I think that, I think that we're going to be, I don't think we're going to see a huge bottom out in 2023. I think we're going to see some spitter spots. I actually believe that the market's going to stabilize a little bit uh, when we hit spring um, from about April to, I would say, July. Everybody's going to have a really nice time where the, you know, the wholesale prices start to tick back up. It's going to fall right back off again yeah. because it wrapped over. And, and so, you know, as, and, and I can tell you guys, we're still, we're still writing licenses. So people are still setting up. If anything, Michigan now is a different opportunity for people and MSOs all eyes on Michigan because the real estate is pennies on the dollar to what it was six years ago. Yeah. That's what um, Mr. Harry said that uh, he, that's what he's seeing is not necessarily MSOs, but some of the bigger players, we won't name names. We all know who they are, are swooping in now to buy the smaller players because the smaller players are in receivership or, their their investors are saying no mass money. We're not putting any more money into this, and uh, it's and this is not a game for the faint of heart. You're talking about millions of dollars to get started. So anyway, it's not. You know, well, and their bills are coming due, right? So they took out investment, they took out loans, they they started working with private family foundations, they started working with real estate real estate investment trusts. Um, the tax man wants his money, and as does your investor, and they don't care. Right. You're going to pay it. him either way. <laughs> I don't want to hear excuses. I just want to see the greenbacks, right? You know? So. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that, you know, I, I think that one of the things that these operators are going to have to realize is they need to start really looking at their next 18 months. You know, yeah. you may be making payroll right now, but what does that look like in six months? Yeah. Um, maybe you need to make some decisions sooner than it's 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 the end of the road and, and we just have to close. Maybe well, we need to start strategically looking at things a little differently. And certainly there's been lots of layoffs. Uh, I, uh, just about every player has laid off people. So it's it's getting down to how efficient can you make your operation? The other thing I think the survivors will be those that are vertical. If you're a, just a dispensary and you have to buy your flour and your other products from other people, you're not going to make it. So I think you'll see a big move, even for the smaller players, to get vertical as fast as they can, my opinion. Well, well can- part of that is is vertical is the only way you're going to divert 280E a bit, right? You're going to lessen your tax burden. 
Um, and, and then on top of that with vertical, uh, you can, you can move your losses from one business unit to the other, right? Sure. So if one part of the business unit is successful, um, that's going to cover the other business unit that isn't. And, sure. and yeah, you know, when, when way back, I was like, I really think that vertical with at least two apps is the best bet. Uh-huh. A lot of people didn't have the money to do that. And a lot of people in Michigan did the concept of let's get retail open first. Cause we can generate revenue to fund the rest of our build out. Sure. So that makes some sense. Um, it, it, it really kind of prevented them from thinking a little bit more strategically. Right. Well, Mike, I'm glad you mentioned sponsors and how that all turns it out. I want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsors for the next couple of shows. Uh, it's down on the farm.biz and icon processors. And uh, just wanted to let everybody know, uh, maybe uh, Jim, if you can bring up, uh, we finally got uh, the hemp bedding. Um so we've been able to get uh, bedding for animals. Uh, we've got actually a, a couple different kinds. Uh, there's some for horses. There's some for the small bags for uh, like the smaller animals, the rabbits and uh, hamsters and those kind of things. And then also for the horses too. Um, we'll be having that up on the website down on the farm.biz real soon. Um, so we can have prices on that, but we just got that in. It's imported. Um, we just don't have uh, yet um, the supply chain here in the United States to make this work, but we are working on that. Um, but a lot of people have been asking about it. And so just want to let you know that we finally have that available on there. So probably next week, we'll have all the information up on down on the farm.biz. Something for John. But I saw safe for all animals on that bag. Yeah. How nice is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and, wow. and, and if you understand how this how the how the bedding works, it's just a superior bedding than other kinds of bedding out there. It absorbs the odor more. Uh, odor more. Uh, it'll last longer, so you're changing it less. Um, yeah, so it's just it's it, it's a superior bedding for sure. For sure, cool. for sure, it is. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just want to give a shout out there. Um, we appreciate um, Icon Processors and uh, and Down on the Farm for helping Damn. support the show. So we do that. So. Um, let's see. So a little bit of news I have. Um, um, uh, NOCO uh, is coming up in March. So don't, re- don't forget about that. A great opportunity to go out to Colorado thing at the Broadmoor Hotel uh, this year is where it's going to be held at. Um, a lot of great topics and, uh, and, and um, discussion we're going on there. We'll be out there for sure uh, this year to, be, to do that and see that. Um, also, uh, Connie, is there any uh, Canabash? Do you have anything? Is there anything up on the website yet that people can look at and see what's going yes, on? Yes, sir. So the deck is out. The sponsorship deck is out. It's on our website, which is canabashfest.com. There is also a form on there if you are interested in being a part of Canabash as a vendor, a food truck, an artist, a, a brand. Uh, fill that form out. And Kenzie Terpstra, um, our beautiful daughter. Uh, we'll be following back up with you to reach out to get an understanding of the interest. I do believe that we are two weeks from lineup launch. Um, and I think that people are going to be absolutely thrilled with the lineup this year. I think we did a nice job of blending a lot of really good music. Um, and we really did a nice job of being able to kind of touch a variety of music tastes. Uh, then I believe that we will also be, once we drop the lineup, we will also be releasing ticket sales. And so, uh, we will be using ticket bud this year instead of the other ones. Ticket bud is a really nice, uh, ticketing system. We'll be using ticketing, Bud. it'll be linked on our website. And then you'll start to see our lineup and all of our 
sponsors and all of our food trucks will be highlighted on the website as they start joining on. And as usual, you'll find all kinds of stuff on our social media. Um, if you are interested in being a part of Cannabash, we are anticipating 15,000 people, I believe, this year. Um, and Mackenzie's email is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I-E, at hatchaplanmi.com. Kenzie is all things event coordination for Cannabash, and she can certainly get you any information uh, that you need or help you with whatever you're trying to get accomplished to be a part of Cannabash. So Cannabash.com? Cannabashfest.com. Cannabashfest.com. Okay. We're hoping, I would really like to see a hundred brand booths at Cannabash. We had 56 last year. I can tell you that our, our attendees called it a grateful dead parking lot met six flags is how they described Cannabash. <laughs> <laughs> Their words. It was interesting. Um, what we learned was, at, you know, because I would walk around and talk to the crowd. It was like trick-or-treating. They want to go to every single, we see these brands every day. We interact with these people every day. We know who they are. But the great thing was, is that people could see brands that were in the UP that they'd never had ex exposure to at their local dispo. Because a lot of people don't understand that the, the, the supply chain is still, still very regionalized. And so brands that are in the UP, your dispensary probably is not carrying that product. I don't know. But what we heard was everybody found a bunch of products that they'd never seen before. And they started looking for those products and where to buy them. And I got to be honest, you know, even our highest sponsorship is still a dollar a person. And, and, and that's, that's just a really reasonable price to get to 8,000 people. I, it's a, you know, I, I think our headline and our main stage sponsors are 10, but even then that's what a dollar 20 a piece. I mean, yeah, for that type of exposure. And, and this year we decided to do it a little bit different. We decided to lease you some land and provide you opportunity. And so our sponsorships are based on how much land you want access to. And then we're strongly encouraging and we're keeping these booth prices down lower so that they can set up really good booths because it's in my best interest to have the brands we work with spend the money on a really nice festival booth because it makes my venue look better when I have a two-story, you know, venue or a two-story booth for a brand. Don't pay me that money. Go get a really cool booth and really engage your crowd, engage your audience, create a smoke lounge area. We're giving you 10 by 10, 10 by 20 or, or 20 by 40. And you make it what you want to, but these people want to experience your brand. So give them something to experience. That's what they want. And they love it. They love it. So we're hoping that the brands get really creative. Um, you know, the vending booths last year at Cannabash, I think I, I, I'll be the first one to admit it. I think Skybent had the best uh, retail booth. Um, it was designed top notch. It was, <laughs> it was easy to get around it. Um, and, and there is an entire talent to the festival booths, right? There, there is a design and marketing shtick to the booths. Make the booths beautiful because they make the festival better because that's what people want to see, the Grateful Dead parking lot. So make it exciting. Cool. Yeah. So um, this week, uh, I have Michigan was invited on a um, virtual meeting uh, with Brian Hanna and the CRA uh, group. Uh, it was nice to have that, a great opportunity for us to be part of that and get our questions in there. And we're definitely going to be having some more dialogue with them for sure. And one of the big things that we that we brought up and is still coming out is the fact that uh, if you're selling CBD, 
uh, retail products that you have to have a processor handler license. Um, we're going to work with the legislators on that to get that change, um, especially for the retail side of things. But right now, yes, it is a requirement, according to everybody, but they are not uh, um, pursuing that avenue at this point in time, um, unless there's other issues going on. In other words, if they go to a uh, THC retail site and there are issues there with the THC problem and you're also selling CBD, well, now you know now you got a couple issues there. Uh, but they aren't going to the gas stations, they aren't going to the spas, they aren't going to anybody else and, and saying, hey, you know, you're supposed to have this yes. If you ask, they're going to tell you that that's what's supposed to be done, but they're not right now enforcing that. They just don't have that manpower and time anyways, and they're working on other things. Um, certainly, it sounds like that the CRA is going to be upping their enforcement um, uh, to make sure that places are in compliance legally with what they're supposed to be carrying and the product they are carrying. Um, so that's just a heads up out there. I'll let you know that is definitely happening. Uh, if you get the emails from the CRA, uh, which you can sign up for, you'll see that they have stepped up their enforcement area there. Um, we've also had a discussion with Molly Mott uh, regarding you know what uh, hemp is going to look like in the future here in Michigan. Um, and we're going to get some comments into them uh, regarding how that's going to look as we move forward. Uh, there are some options there of how we uh, how we move forward with um, licensing and and who who who, uh, who oversees that part of the, uh, the hemp uh, uh, growing part of it. Um, so again, more discussions we'll have with them, and we certainly are very grateful for the opportunity and, and, the, and the relationship we have uh, with building with CRA and certainly the relationship we've always had with them, Dart and Molly and, and that crew. Um, they're very uh, uh, supportive of listening to our concerns and also want our comments back. So we'll be putting out a, a survey to members uh, pretty soon here to, uh, to find out um, what, their, what our preferences are as we move forward on that. I also want to let you know that uh, our emphasis this year is going to be on building with hemp products. Um, and um, um, we are planning, uh, right now we've got, we're tentatively planning some for, for February the 11th. Um, we may have a, a meet and greet um, February the 10th in Holland. There's a couple of home building shows that are over here on this side of the state right about then. And uh, we want to get the information out to the builders and the architects. So look for information coming out on that. Again, that's building with hemp products. And Jim, if you can bring up the pictures of the flooring, uh, I had the opportunity this last week. Um, I'm working on a, on a condo unit over here close to my, my place for my brother. Um, and uh, we, I bought hempwood flooring. And this is the install that we've done with the hempwood flooring in his bedroom area. Um, he's handicapped, he has a wheelchair, so the, the carpeting wasn't going to work. Um, so I worked with um, hempwood out of Murray, Kentucky, uh, Chad Wilson there. And uh, beautiful, beautiful flooring. Um, uh, Nelson um, um, from Sandy, Sandy Brothers um, is who installed this. Uh, and they've, they've actually started an, uh, a side company. Um, they've been doing flooring for 30 years, but they're going to be doing hempwood flooring uh, as a specialty. And uh, man, they did a, one day, they had this in and done. Um, and it just looks just awesome. Can you, can you stain it? You can. There's two ways to get it. Um, you can order it unstained, which is what I wish we would have done. But at the time we were ordering it and Nelson was going to put it in, he got very sick. He said, look, I just don't have the time to do it. So order it pre-stained, which we did. If we got it unstained and they put it in and they sanded it, you would 90% of the lines that you would see, like in the flooring where the, where the boards go together, you wouldn't even see it. It looked like a solid wood floor. 
Yeah. Really? But because of the way we had it pre-finished, you, know, you still see a little lines, but it's gorgeous how they did it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And yeah, and um, yeah, I'm really, really, really happy. Uh, and the guys were awesome to work with. Absolutely. Is it scratch easy? What's that? Is it scratch easy? No. No? No, this is harder than oak. Really? Yep. Mm -hmm. What about water? Now, so water, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend this for a place you're going to have a lot of water, like a bathroom where you're going to have water on the, all the time. Um, you can put a coating on top of it, you know, to help with that. But where you have constant water, let's say, yeah, it will do some staining, uh, some, some blotting kind of thing on that. Um, so that's why, you know, I wouldn't put it in, in a bathroom area right now, uh, unless you put some other kind of cover or, or coating on the top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and, and pictures, pictures don't do it justice. They really don't, but it's 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 really a gorgeous floor. So, and okay. and it's the same price as regular hardwood floor. I was I was just going to ask you, yeah. is it it's comparable in price to regular yep. hardwood? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yep. No, that's really cool. And I let the professionals install it because there's a few things I know not to do, and you know I know where my yeah, I've tried doing those floors. Yeah, it's a you got to know what you're doing. Absolutely. So. absolutely. Cabinets and flooring. <laughs> Right uh, there. That's yeah. That and plumbing. Okay. Oh, yeah. plumbing and electricity is another one. Dan's uh, not allowed to do electricity. Yeah, I let those guys do what they do because they know what they're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So those are things. Uh, and and U.S. Hemp Building Association is going to be putting out uh, quite a bit this year. They're going to be trying to work with builders, let them know, especially now that we're getting the products being able to be in in, in the codes for building and using it there. Um, so we'll be working real heavy with them. Uh, as well this year to do that so that'll be another thing that we'll be looking for um, and Mike you mentioned about the uh, Google um, you know allowing advertising so that's awesome that they're allowing that there is a whole vetting process that they go through um, so if you do have a CBD product and you want to get them on Google advertising uh, go to the site fill out the application they'll talk to you about it they want to make sure that the products that are getting out there are safe um, and that they're um, you know, the consistent, um, there's been a lot of problems um, that some companies have had with their consistency. And so they just want to make sure that those are. And then the only one they're allowing right now to advertise um, kind of medicinally, so to speak, is really the company that has Epidiolox. Um, that's the only one that they're allowing to, in that category, so to speak. Um, so, but like, this is an opening, right? At least now they're, they're having the dialogue started. They're allowing it to happen. And I think that'll help everybody else quite a bit with that for sure. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, is that right for coughing? Is, is there a recipe this week there, Chef? <coughs> there is, and that's what I'm getting to right now. You're a chef, Blaine? What's that? You're a chef? Well, no, I won't, I won't go that far. But you know what I have? I have a really cool chef hat. Yes, he's the emperor. I, I, I'm the emperor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but every show, Connie, we do a recipe, and unfortunately, we don't have this to bring up for people to see right now. Um, but I'm going to put next week uh, or our next show. I'm going to have one um, to use uh, with venison. Um, I, I want to cook it one more time with it before I do it. But oh, Jim, you are awesome! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that darn Jim, he's the man behind the curtain. You just don't he see is. him. You know, so. the man. So uh cauliflower hemp soup is what we have for recipe day in these kind of cold days. Although 
we don't really have winter, so to speak, this year, but we did have for a few days. But uh, so this is a don't, great. Don't count it out; it'll come back. Oh, we have. <laughs> okay, so here's here's my theory about winter. Right, April first is the opening of baseball. Okay, so you know winter has to be done that day. So I think we have sixty some days, sixty eight or sixty nine days, something like that, for the winter to be over. So every day that we don't have it. Now, if you're a skier and you like it, I'm sorry, snowmobiler, but. Um, we have 68 days left, so enjoy what you got. Uh, so this is cauliflower hemp soup. Uh, the ingredients is uh, one tablespoon of uh, hemp seed oil. Uh, it says olive oil on there, but I would replace it with hemp seed oil. There we go. It does say that. Um, two cloves of garlic, uh, one onion diced, a heart of cauliflower diced, a carton of vegetable broth, a tablespoon of salt, a half a cup of Manitoba harvest hearts, or you can get them from uh, down on the farm.biz. We also carry those hemp hearts. Uh, grated Parmesan, and then one tablespoon of parsley. And then the directions are down there how to make it. Um, it is a wonderful uh, dish to have and healthy for you as well, by the way. Um, and this is brought to us by, I don't know who gave this one to us. Don't have the name on this one. But anyways, I like to give credit where credit is due, and this is not my recipe, so. Um, but we like that. So anyways, nice, uh, nice warm um, thing to have for the uh, winter months here coming up. So I want to thank everybody for taking the time out of their day to day to join us. And uh, Connie, um, thank you very much for all that great information. It'll be interesting to see where uh, the, the cannabis tourist industry goes in Michigan, for sure. And Mike, we always appreciate you being on and sharing your your great news of everything that's going on in that world. So and let me do a shameless plug. Be sure to check out sparksandrec.com, S-P-A-R-X and rec.com. You will also see Connie there. Uh, we're rapidly expanding that. And so <laughs> we're trying to, and if you're interested in we're looking for coverage, if you're cannabis friendly, lodging, bar, whatever, uh, let us know and we'll get you some coverage in that because Tourism season's just around the corner here, although maybe some winter tours. Uh, but uh, we're, you know, uh, we're we're officially launched as of last month. Okay, so Sparks and Rec is the best way for them to get hold of you. Prx and Rec.com. Yeah, Jim's brought it up there. He's awesome. I tell you, Jim, yep. Jim is the best producer that anybody could ever have. So if you're looking for somebody to help produce your show, you need to get a hold of Jim Tam. He's a great, great behind the scenes for us. So. I want to thank everybody. Went a little over today, but that's all right. Great information. Uh, we'll look to see everybody in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Thanks. it. All right. Have a good one.